0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Bank of America. With the Bank of America Cash Rewards credit card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. The essentials have never felt more rewarding. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding to apply now. Copyright 2020 Bank of America Corporation.
1: From NPR Music, it's all songs considered. I'm Robin Hilton. Give me some- back in the early morning hours of December 13th, 2013, Beyoncé, suddenly, without warning, released her fifth full-length album. It was online in the iTunes store and called Beyoncé. Over the next several weeks on All Songs Consider, we're going to be looking back at the past decade in music, the 2010s. And we can't begin to cover everything, so we're just gonna focus on a handful of moments that we think really helped shape and define the decade, starting with Beyonce releasing her self-titled album. I am joined by Ann Powers in Nashville.
2: Hello, Robin.
1: Rodney Carmichael in Atlanta. Hey, y'all. And here in Washington, D.C., Sydney Madden.
3: What's up, Robin? <laughs>
1: So on this episode of the program, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of the ways that Beyonce really defined and owned the 2010s. But this one moment in particular, and this one album sparked so many changes in the way that music is made and shared and experienced, uh, starting with what is one of the big recurring themes of the 2010s, and that is the surprise drop.
3: She really put her faith in her fan base and she knew that her beehive would effectively blow up the internet with this and we did. Um Did you say we did? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, car carrying member. I feel like I feel like all this all songs considered listeners know that by now.
2: There's this really interesting dynamic in Beyonce's career between massive events and ultimate privacy. You know, and using these blockbuster moments, spooling out a story that is her story, very, very personal, very sometimes this record explicitly sexual. And then at the same time is staging spectacular global events is a fascinating way to as they say, build a global brand, which is exactly what she's done.
1: The surprise drop, I mean, it's fairly common now, especially with hip hop releases, but um
2: But she changed the game. She yeah,
1: changed no the one really game with a digital the,
4: drop. Yeah, she yeah.
1: Ne- no one really quite saw the potential. Until she dropped Beyonce. I mean, like, I think of uh, a band like Radiohead that played around with it a little bit, but they gave at least a few days' notice when their records, their last few records, were gonna come out. Mm -hmm. And um, how on earth she kept this whole thing a secret is another big mystery.
3: Absolutely. She toured for a year prior to that, and she toured with no album out. She was just touring on all of her previous hits. And this was after she had her first child, Blue Ivy. So there were a little bit of murmurings within the internet, but there was nothing confirmed. So when all of this, when this bomb just exploded of new content, new music, people were losing it.
1: Uh, And all of this was possible because of another big recurring theme in the 2010s, which was artist empowerment. I mean, a lot of artists became more independent in the 2010s for lots of different reasons. A lot of barriers uh, fell down, but I think few did it as um, completely and effectively as Beyonce did.
3: Exactly. The creative control there was so precise and so calculated, so calibrated, that I really think she set the tone for other artists communicating
2: with their fans directly on social media. It's so important to note that the story of Beyonce in this decade is a cultural story and an artistic story, but it's also a business story. Mm -hmm. It's a story of a company, Parkwood Entertainment, uh, that evolved from a kind of conventional video and film production company at the end of the last decade into this hub that connected every aspect of uh, Beyonce's Career, right? That includes her charitable work, her fashion line. uh, Eventually, even her involvement in like a a diet or nutritional program is involved in this. And as you say, her personal life.
0: I think um, another thing that's interesting about Parkwood is it really reflects how much of a curator Beyonce is. She's able to build out this creative team, video directors, artistic directors that are able to help her manifest this mission, these mission statements that she has with with these definitive releases. I think that the really interesting thing is that you get to see how much of a collage artist and 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 curator she is in terms of her reach and and how how far and wide she goes to to pull a lot of really disparate influences together into into one seamless uh package and I think Parkwood speaks to that as well
1: I, th- I think it's interesting to me how uh she gained control of her image her identity her music her business everything in part by being incredibly private Uh, You know, like not giving interviews and everything. But at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, and doing bigger and bigger events and shows that in a way, and making her music more personal, in a way that made you feel like you're getting closer to her and everything's becoming more intimate in the relationship between her fans and her music. But at the same time, she's actually becoming more private and and more guarded.
3: She is one person who you are sure that you only know what she wants you to know when Hmm. she wants you to know it.
2: But Sid, don't we have to talk about the elevator video and uh, oh, how that was like one, you're right, uh, one crack in the veneer.
3: Yes, that is probably the only caveat to her crafting her narrative and having it be controlled the entire time. So in 2014, a video surfaced. It was a surveillance video, um, a closed circuit security video, of Beyonce, her sister Solange, and her husband Jay Z. All in a service elevator leaving the Met Gala, which if you don't know, it's like a fashion-focused ball in New York City every year. And what happened, there was no audio to this video, but basically what fans saw is Solange, Beyonce's younger sister, attacking Jay-Z for something we don't know what it was. Then... A few years later, what comes along? Lemonade, which tells the story of Beyonce finding out that her husband is cheating on her, going through all the motions of basically grieving the loss of a relationship, and then deciding to stay with her partner in the aftermath of this death of a relationship. So, and that's a great point. That is the only time, I will say, especially within this decade, that Beyonce was not in 100% control of the narrative
2: was that really a leak in the veneer or was it all mm. part of the plan <laughs> okay
0: no i mean I, I think that's really you know to me her genius in this decade hinges on that moment and it is interesting that it's the one moment that doesn't seem as as tightly controlled right because this is a moment that for any level of artist could have caused a, a career unraveling especially for an artist like beyonce who as we've already talked about does like to exhibit control so tightly but she, for her to spin that that out of control moment into her her greatest work, uh, so far, you know, her most, her most personal, her most revealing, her most vulnerable work. For a person like me, who who is is not a, a, a member of the Beehive, who is not Rodney, a Beyonce fan, who before this decade, if you had told me in ten years I would be talking calling Beyonce the most influential artist of the next decade, I would have laughed at you.
2: We can't forget, you know, back in the 2000s, she was making music. She was getting compared to people like, you know, Barbara Streisand. Maybe she's the next Barbara Streisand.
1: So we talked about uh, the surprise drop and we talked about her, uh, you know, how this was in part possible because of uh, it being the decade of artist empowerment and how she really dominated that area. Uh, I want to talk more about social media that Sydney brought up earlier, because another big reason that she was able to control her image and really blow things up with the surprise drop is because of how effectively she used social media. I mean, it is something that lots of artists have found ways to use, but I don't think anyone has was able to capitalize on it in this past, past decade in quite the kind of jaw-dropping ways that she did.
2: I think Beyoncé really became a role model for a new a generation growing up uh, with social media. Her ability, as you said, Sydney, earlier, to share these moments that that not only feel intimate, but feel casual, playful moments with her children, for example, in a way that still never violates the golden circle of her privacy. Isn't this what we would all want from social media if we could possibly make it happen?
1: One thing you could argue is that she possibly first saw the potential of viral uh, standom or fandom back in 2008 when she released the single ladies song and video because that video went so viral and uh, it was just huge.
2: Everybody was doing that dance in videos. I think that's the most important thing. That's why single ladies set the stage for what happened uh, in the following decade. Without dozens and, and maybe even hundreds of single ladies tribute videos, would we have ever had dozens, maybe hundreds of uh, Call Me Maybe videos, for example? Carly Rae Jepsen, another example of, uh, of a video that went viral.
0: Here, here's where Beyonce's decade begins for me it actually begins before the decade it's the kanye taylor swift vma's moment that moment was really inspired by beyonce i mean kanye was interrupting taylor's award because he thought single ladies was the greatest music video of all time
2: yeah and he was right Mm
0: -hmm. he was right i mean that's what gets lost in the criticism of how rudely he delivered that word right he was (laughs) right at least for that year he was right but I have to wonder if the fact that she lost that award spurred her to make even greater videos after that even greater more undeniable music after that and i really think when you book in that first loss with beyonce losing album of the year that grammy to adele in 2017 and adele essentially interrupting her own acceptance speech to say that beyonce deserved it more it really kind of speaks to, I think, the kind of decade that Beyonce ends up having. It, it really puts her in this history of denial, you know, that black artists have faced from the industry in ways that tend to start mirroring how her music became way more political over the past 10 years.
3: Mm-hmm. And way more overtly black, way more um, feminist in that sense. She was like, if I'm not going to win when I adhere to this pop structure, mm. what's what's stopping me from going 180 and?" every into everything that I truly believe in and all of the messages that I really want to put in.
1: Let's dig a little more into some of the themes and ideas on the self-titled Beyoncé record, starting with the fact that it was very erotic and sexually explicit, which I think speaks to the evolution of gender identity and sexuality, which was another big recurring theme in the 2010s. And again, this was an area where she was really leading. Let's listen to a little bit of a song called Rocket.
4: Let me sit this ass I feel let me take this off Will you watch me watch me let us mess up here don't take your eyes don't take your eyes off it watch it baby Touch it baby
1: I mean, I'm not sure quite what she's singing about here. Um, you, could, you could kind of take <laughs> it in lots I don't know. of different there, directions. Yeah,
3: there, there's so much symbolism. I don't know. It's symbolism. hard to decipher. <laughs> yeah, but a song like Rocket, which is a slow burner, very explicit, very detailed, that's not a song that could even appear on Dangerously in Love or I Am Sasha Fierce or Four. And I really think this evolution in her, in her sound and in her songwriting and in her performance has to do with becoming a mother. As as I said earlier, she had her first child, Blue Ivy, in 2012. She took a year off, which is the first time she ever did that in her career. And keep in mind, she's been performing publicly since she was a, a preteen. Yeah. yeah. Taking that reset time is really important. And I think the fact that she wanted to show, like, I can be a mom, I can be a wife, and I can be explicitly sexy and unapologetically so it's like i'm not washed up you thought i was gone you thought i took the time no i'm coming back even stronger and better there's so much strength in even the soft songs on this album rocket Mm -hmm. being one of them
2: That context leads back to Dirty Blues of the 1920s. You know, Bessie Smith, it leads to soul music of the 1960s. Aretha Franklin, it leads to disco music. Donna Summer, she is placing herself in that line uh, by making erotic music that's also very meaningful and beautiful. And these songs didn't need to get played on the radio. Now we have streaming culture. You can do explicit music on a streaming platform in a way that you never could in terrestrial radio.
3: And even when she dropped Beyonce, her self-titled album, and then she did one kind of Bo sit-down interview that was released on her own YouTube channel, she said she wanted to go back to the time when people listened to full albums, when it wasn't a single driven rollout and structure and album.
1: Still lots to talk about uh, with Beyonce and all the ways that she helped define and shape the past decade in music. But uh, first, we need to take a short break and we'll be right back.
4: Support for this podcast and the following message come from American Mensa, a high IQ organization that offers intellectual stimulation and a place to socialize with smart people like yourself. Your high intelligence is the passport to compelling Mensa groups, events, and publications. If you think you may be eligible for membership, take Mensa's admission test or qualify using one of 200 other supervised tests that are accepted. Visit AmericanMensa.com join to take the next step today
1: it's all songs considered from npr music i'm robin hilton i'm here with ann powers rodney carmichael and sydney madden and we're looking at the past decade in music specifically uh, about all the ways that beyonce really kind of dominated and helped define uh, the decade in music let's talk about the relevancy of albums because that is uh, another recurring theme when we look back at the 2010s uh whether or not full albums matter in 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 an age of singles The self-titled Beyoncé record, I mean, it was certainly a complete piece. But when she released Lemonade, I just thought it was a monumental statement and as a complete work of art. And here's the first song that we heard from it. It's called uh, Formation. a song that she released before performing at the Super Bowl which was also a monumental moment for her uh, that year this is the spring of 2016
2: I mean, just unpack the first verse leading up to the chorus. <laughs>
0: right. Information.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, right. Hey, yo. Rodney, you go for it. Go ahead, Rodney. I mean, no,
0: I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the one, but I was just listening <laughs> to it again. Like I was hearing it for the first time and, you know, everything she addresses from the rumors, you know, around her and Jay-Z's ascendancy and, and power, you know, the the, the Illuminati references uh, a lot of, in a lot of ways have been kind of like, taken as a, as a racial critique that yeah. some in some ways suggests that, you know, black people in the industry aren't able to attain right. this much success without some sort of, Soul you know, selling.
2: supernatural. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. You know what I mean? And then she takes that from she goes from that to digging into her, her history, you know, right. the Creole and you know, the daddy from Alabama. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's an incredible time. And she
3: even takes a moment to critique people who made fun of or who were criticizing her for not brushing her baby's hair, which is a whole other oh, side yeah, conversation. I She's like, I like my baby hairs with baby and afros. This whole first verse the lead-up is a is such a casual takedown it's like the the horns didn't even come in yet damn like
1: <laughs> and what a and bef- what an incredible powerful first statement from this record too that this was the one that she led with
3: yes and to the point of the video it not only gave you the caliber of choreography and cinematography that beyonce has come to be known for it was also A political statement weaved in there with her standing on a sinking police car in New Orleans, with there were SWAT members and a little boy standing in front of all of them. Like the nuance in the messaging here is just like masterful.
1: She had the video for the song formation, but she also, of course, had the film that was just over an hour long for the entire album. These weren't like your typical uh, 80s rock videos with like someone on the hood of a, you know, a sports car and like. (laughs) Well, she's on the hood of a car, but it means (laughs) something. Meant something totally different but like man this this was next level filmmaking i thought uh the imagery no and I, the whole time i was watching it's like how much does this cost i mean this is i mean the production <laughs> on it was staggering you... <laughs> it was just staggering that you don't pull something off at that level casually
0: all i gotta say is her non-disclosure agreement game is strong <laughs> oh, oh my god yeah.
3: oh yeah oh my god you know amazing
1: i taught a few college courses uh this past spring about the relevancy of albums and i i hold lemonade up as an example like if you wonder whether or not they still matter listen to lemonade because it is such a complete work of art i think you know where every single track is essential and they all fit together and they are dependent on
0: one another and speaking of, of album relevance you know the fact that the lemonade album inspired the level of discourse around it that required the creation of syllabi, you know, in honor of the album, which were really serious, you know, by academics, you know, who who research and, and break down pop culture. And her references were so deep in this album, you know, there was just so much material that you could use to contextualize this music and this film project. I think that is what really when I think of her her social media power, I don't even think of, you know, her 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 Tumblr or her Instagram page. I think of, you know, the way her music got people to talking and in in really high-minded ways about pop music and and her music in, in particular and what is derived from, and and what is expressing, and 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 what is connected to, in in ways that you know are really worthy of, of study. You know, it reminds me of what Kendrick Lamar said after he dropped his his album, to Pimp a Butterfly." You know, he said, "Hey, I think that this album will be studied in, on college campuses um, one day," and he was right. And I think that level of awareness is 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 definitely present in in Beyonce's approach to these last couple of, of of albums in particular.
1: Speaking of teaching college courses on Beyoncé and Lemonade, we could talk about uh, all the different ways that she helped define the past decade. Uh, but one last thing that I want to talk about that I, I think her past decade of music making really spoke to is genre blending. And in a lot of ways, this is something she's done her whole career. Um, but Lemonade just really doubled down on the on genre blending, starting with a, a country song called Daddy Lessons.
4: With his gun and his head held high, he told me not to cry. Oh, my daddy said, shoot. Oh, my daddy said, shoot. With his right hand on his rifle, he swore in on the Bible. My daddy said, shoot. Oh, my daddy said, shoot.
1: It is so country, and, and it's good, you know? It's not like a, a shtick. What
3: I love best about her genre jumping, genre blending on this album is she's really reminding you she can do anything. She's reminding you, I am a girl from Houston. I have not lost my Houston roots. I grew up around black cowboys, and this is what I know, even in just the the cadence of her delivery there. Daddy Lessons comes a little bit later in the album, but before that, we hear... A crazy rock song featuring Jack Don't hurt White. Yourself. Yes.
1: Uh, let's hear that. Which is just such a, like, raw and nasty. Uh, And and also so good.
3: (laughs) But also cool, calm, and collected. And you know when, like, your partner is mad at you that they're so mad that they're quiet about it? That's Mm -hmm. when you really need to be afraid, (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) And it's it's interesting, Sid. I had a slightly different take of, of it wasn't just her showing you that she can do anything. I also kind of took it as a as a, a welcoming gesture, like that she was setting up this table for and welcoming everybody to it. All these different sounds and ideas. Um, I don't know, it felt very unifying.
2: I'm not saying this is absolutely right, but you could mark the beginning of the Beyoncé decade and when she and Jay-Z attended a Grizzly Bear concert in Williamsburg, and she said she wanted to collaborate with Kevin Barnes of, of Montreal. So you know, even that early on, but the, an important aspect of the movement of massive pop, hip-hop, R&B stars toward indie music is indie music's movement toward them. So you have Mm. Dirty Projectors, really a lot of what they did was inspired by R&B groups like Destiny's Child, you know, Uh, Mm. Kevin Barnes is making kind of this warped R&B music with Of Montreal. So Mm. everybody had to walk toward each other to lead us to this moment where post-genre becomes a thing.
1: And then you've got a song like Freedom from uh, the Lemonade Record, which is just this incredible mix of like gospel and... I don't know, to me it was almost like prog rock. So everything that we've been talking about sort of has been one big lead up to what was a truly historic moment for Beyonce and that was her performance at Coachella in 2018 uh, which Sydney you were actually at.
3: Yes. I've seen Beyonce many times. I've never seen her like that. The precision the as she says in the documentary homecoming that was released on netflix a year later the limitless swag of those performers it was just astronomical and once again like once you think the bar can be set no higher she kind of just throws the bar out the window and be like "Oh, go get it
1: it just felt like such a coronation to me for her and it was so hard to for me to imagine like where on earth do you go from here but yet she's (laughs) she's still only in her 30s and as you say sydney she's always reaching beyond wherever the bar is set
0: yeah i think the magic to me of homecoming as as an event and as a documentary is the fact that you know at the height of her career, at, at the height of her pop ascendancy, she does what's probably easily the blackest project yet for her. That's ironic. That doesn't happen a lot when you look at black uh, artists who are able to attain the level of pop success she she has attained. At least historically, you rarely see at this moment them decide to to embrace and use their Blackness to inspire a new project at, at this level. I mean, you know, it, it was so Black that, you know, she, her mother said that she thought people weren't gonna get it. She was at Coachella in front of this audience where, you know, Black artists and women in particular have not typically, you know, been invited. She was the first Black woman to headline Coachella and here she was deciding, I'm not gonna cater to the crowd. Now I'm gonna I cater to my crowd. Right. Uh, This is just the first in a series of podcasts, as I mentioned, that we're going to be doing in the coming
1: weeks as we we look back at the past decade in music. And we're going to be going uh, more in-depth on a number of the themes and trends that we talked about on this episode. But I want to thank uh, Anne in Nashville. Thank you, Anne.
2: Thank you so much.
1: And Rodney. Hey, thanks y'all. And Sydney.
3: Always a pleasure,
2: Robin.
1: And what should we go out on uh, from homecoming?
2: Well, I think uh, we need to hear Beyonce really claiming her space as... A leader culturally, politically, socially, with her version from Homecoming of the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing.
1: And for NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Robin Hilton.